0: Welcome to At the Crossroads Church weekly podcast. Our hope is that you will grow in your walk with God and be blessed and encouraged in your daily lives as you listen. You can visit us at our website at atthecrossroads.ca. Father, we thank you for your word today, God. We thank you, Lord, that you're going to speak to our hearts and you're going to change us and challenge us by your word. And all God's people said... Amen. So um, you know we did a series started a series three months ago on the power of prayer. This is the last of uh, the message from the series. and so we covered different types of prayer through the scripture, which I'm just going to run them off so we know what they are. So we've covered the prayer of supplication. and we you know if you want to go back and watch the teachings, if you missed any, you can watch them. Uh, the prayer of intercession, the prayer of dedication, uh, the petitioning prayer prayer of praise, the prayer of faith, and the prayer of agreement. Um, And then we also have uh, the fasting prayer we talked about, and today I want to finish it off with praying in the Spirit. Okay, So these are the the biblical prayers that we can find in the Word of God, and um, I'm going to share my interpretation here of what the Scripture says concerning praying in the Spirit. And so it's important to understand uh, the the, the mind-body-spirit connection. This is very important that we understand this principle how many know that you're a spirit being and you have a soul which is your mind your emotion and your will and you live in a body so you move around in a motor home called your body but when your body goes back to the ground you're going to rise your spirit goes to be with the lord okay and so we we're, we're talking about this now it's important to understand this okay Um, We cover a lot of this in Highway to Wholeness, Mind-Body-Spirit Connection, but we need to understand that we are a triune being. We're designed this way as human beings. There's three parts to us, okay? And uh, this was the conversation in heaven thousands of years ago. We look at Genesis chapter 1, verse 26 and 27. It says, Then God said, okay, let us make man in our image. Okay, now that word God is translated Elohim in the in the Hebrew. That word Elohim is it, it, it says divine magistrates or plural unity. Okay, is what that word is, but it says let us make man in our image. Say our image. Our. Okay, according to our likeness. Say our likeness. Let them have dominion over the fish of the seas, over the birds of the air, over the cattle, over the earth, okay? And so we see here that there's a conversation in heaven between the Trinity, okay? Three gods in one. Deuteronomy chapter 6 verse 4 says, Hear, O Israel, the Lord, which that word Lord in Hebrew is Jehovah, right? Our God, the word God is Elohim, which is plural. The Lord is one. Now, when you get married, the Bible says the two shall become one flesh. Amen? So there's, there's plural unity in a marriage, or should be. Okay? Now, Deuteronomy 6 4, O Israel, the Lord Jehovah, our God Elohim, the Lord is one. And so I want to show you this little illustration. This is an illustration that the early church understood. It's a diagram of the Trinity to help us understand it. And so we have the Father God, and if you follow the line that goes on a, that, pyramid angle here. Father is not the Holy Spirit, okay? The Holy Spirit is not the Son, and the Son is not the Father, okay? there are three distinct persons of the Godhead. Now, if you come down the center, it says the Father is God, okay? The Holy Spirit is God, and the Son is God, okay? So, Then we also see that the Son is in the Father, the Father is in the Holy Spirit, and the Holy Spirit is in the Son. And so we see this triune being, we see God, three distinct persons that work in unity together to make up the Godhead. Does that make sense? Okay. And this diagram gives us that illustration. This was actually a diagram that was actually... Uh, dis- de- described even in the first century church. And a few hundred years ago, we came up with modality, which means God is the Father, God is the Son, God is the Holy Spirit, three in one. But that's actually a new teaching. It's not biblical according to the first century church, okay? And so we need to understand that there's an order and structure in the Godhead. We see in 1 Corinthians chapter 11, verse 3, it says, But I want you to know, Paul says, that the head okay, or the covering of every man is Christ, the head or covering of the woman is man, and the head of Christ is God. So Jesus is under the authority of the Father, even though he's co-equal with the Father, right? A husband and wife should be co-equal, heirs together, but there's a spiritual covering on the man over the woman. There's an authority structure. Now, again, if you're in a situation where there's a abuse and male dominance over the female, of course, you don't submit to that kind of authority, okay? We're not going there. That's a whole other message. But I'm showing, you, I'm showing you the message here from the scripture. There's headship. Now, Jesus confirms this. We see in the passage of John chapter 14, verse 20, 28. He says, you've heard me say to you, I'm going away, coming back to you. If you love me, you will rejoice because I said I'm going to the Father. Look what he says. For my Father is what? Greater than I am. Jesus said, I don't do anything unless the Father reveals it to me or shows me. So Jesus is in total submission to obedience to the Father, even though he's equal. Amen? We see that in the scripture. And then we have the Holy Spirit. We go to John chapter 16, verse 7. Nevertheless, I tell you the truth. Jesus is speaking. He says, it is to your advantage that I go away. For if I do not go away, the helper will not come to you. Okay? So now we can see there's a distinct personality or person that's separate from him. Okay? The helper will not come to you. But if I depart, I, Jesus, will send him, where? To you. All right? And then we see in John chapter 16, verse 12 to 15, Jesus says to his disciples, I still have many things to say to you, but I cannot tell them because you can't bear them at this point. And I'm here to say, sometimes you want to share your worldview as a, as a, as a, a, a Christ follower. You want to share uh, what you believe. And people in the world, unless they have the Holy Spirit, they, they, can't, they, cannot, um, they cannot even receive it. They can't bear it or understand it. However, when he, the spirit of truth, has come, he will guide you into all truth. And here's the key. He will not speak on his own authority. Do you see that? But whatever he hears, he will speak and he will tell you of things to come. He will glorify me. He will take of what is mine and give it to you or declare it to you. And then he says, all things that the Father has are mine. Therefore, I said that he will take of mine and declare it to you. And so this is beautiful because the Holy Spirit isn't coming on his own authority. He comes and declares what Jesus is telling him to declare. So we see Father, okay? Then we see Jesus. Then we see the Holy Spirit. They're under authority, but they're one and they're co-equal. Amen? This is what the Bible teaches. And so in biblical authority, we have God the Father... We have Jesus, then we have man, we have women, and then we have the children that are under the parents. Equal in value and worth, but they're under an authority structure, okay? And again, if there's abusive behavior, if you have a husband who's not in Christ, there's a whole other message of how women need to come under Christ Jesus as a spiritual covering in that kind of a situation. But that's another message. But what I want to move to, the reason why I'm explaining that, in the same way, God, the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit are each distinct persons they are unified together in one. We are created mind, body, and spirit, okay? Soul, body, and spirit. So let's look at this diagram here I want to bring up here. And hopefully you can see it. It's kind of a little bit blurry. But here we have um, the brain and the body. Did you know that your brain is part of your body? It really is, right? Your brain is actually matter. It's part of your body. And you receive information through the five senses. So you can, you know, you can taste and you can see and you can talk and you can hear and you can touch something. Oh, man, that's hot. I shouldn't touch that, right? And so your body receives information through the five senses, okay? Now, the body also, or or this diagram, we see that we have a soul. And the soul, right, if you look at that diagram, is the mind, the will, and the emotions, okay? The mind, the will, and the emotions. Now, when you look down a bit, you see that heart, okay? That is actually the mind of the spirit. And in psychology, they they don't understand. See, this here, right here, this is the spirit being. They don't believe this exists. This does not exist. So what you have is you have a body and you have a mind, will, and emotion and you have a subconscious. That's what psychology says. A subconscious mind where these thoughts come up from within. But we know as believers that we have a spirit. We are a spirit and we live in a body and we have a soul. Does that make sense? And the heart is the link between the spirit and the soul. Paul calls it the mind of the spirit, okay? And so sometimes our brain receives information through our five senses, and it drops down into our soul or down into our heart. That's why we have to be careful what we watch and who we talk to and how we act with our five senses because we're always receiving information, all right? And it drops into our hearts. But um, but I, I want you to understand that as a spirit being, you pick up three, uh, the only way to explain it, Best way to explain it is FM station, radio station, okay? So, you have 55.5, which is your own inner voice, okay, at a subconscious level that's speaking to you, and you, you know, sometimes you go, where did that thought come from, right? This thought comes up from within, from the heart, and the heart is connected or linked to your spirit. The heart links your spirit with your soul. You can see how that sits right in there, Okay. And psychology doesn't understand that because they don't see us as a spirit being. But we are spirit beings, okay? And so you, you, you hear a voice come up. That's your own spirit. That's your own voice. Then you have the voice of the enemy, which I call 66.6 FM. And that's when you get these thoughts that come and you're like, where did that come from? And you had like a nasty thought about somebody or there's anger that comes up in your heart. That's, that's your hearing at a heart level. What's being spoken to you from without, from another kingdom. And then you have, of course, 77.7, which is the voice of the Holy Spirit speaking. And we see this beautiful picture here of the Spirit, and that candle represents the seven spirits of God, which we're not going to get into today, but it's the fear of the Lord and the understanding and uh, knowledge and all that the Holy Spirit is when he comes into your life to change you. Okay? Now... I have children. How many have children? So there's stuff you you teach children. uh, You talk to them. They learn to speak English because they watch your mouth. And so with the five senses, they're picking up information. It's dropping down into their heart. It's filling up the brain with information. But I never had to teach my kids to say, no, I'm not doing it. (laughs) Right? How many, you know or lashing out and being angry for nothing, or being jealous, all of these things that are not very nice. I, I didn't teach you that. Where did you learn that? It just comes up from within. And, Paul, and Jesus talks about that in Matthew 15, verse 19. For out of the, where? Heart, proceeds evil thoughts, murders, adulteries, fornication, theft, false witness, blasphemes. And so out of the heart comes all of this stuff, right? So what is the answer to all of this is the word of God. Say the word of God, okay? Because the word of God has three purposes. Number one, to discern the thoughts and the intents of the heart. In other words, to give you understanding, right? How many know we need understanding? We need to understand what does God's word say? I'm having thoughts. Do they line up with God's word? If they don't, you take them captive, right? But we need understanding. Say understanding. Very important. Secondly, the word of God strengthens our spirit in faith. So when we read the word of God, just like your body here wants a a piece of pizza after church. Some of you are thinking about the roast in the oven, right? Whatever, right? You think, I need some substance, right? In the same way our spirit wants to be fed, and it is fed by the word of God. Number three, the word of God cleanses our heart, right? And our mind. The Word of God does that. And so this is important because, and there's a reason why I'm talking about, you know, body, spirit, and soul connection. It's very, very important. We're going to get back to it. In Hebrews chapter 6, verse 1 to 3, it says, therefore, leaving the discussions of the elementary principles of Christ, okay, let us go on to perfection. So there's, there's teaching or doctrine that is elementary, dear Watson, and we need to move on from that. And you know what's happened a lot of times in the church? We, you know, from denomination to denomination, we, we take these basic doctrines and we argue about them instead of moving on to greater things. And uh, Paul says, let's move on to perfection, not laying again the foundation of repentance from dead works and faith towards God. Those are two doctrines. And the doctrine of baptisms... <laughs> Say baptisms. And so there's three baptisms. It's plural. A lot of, a lot of Christendom just talks about being baptized in water. That's, that's the baptism. That, but there's baptisms. And I want to know what they are. How many want to know what they are? Okay? And so there's three distinct and separate baptisms I want to talk about. Number one, we're baptized, which means to be fully immersed, into Christ's body. Now, guess who does that? The Holy Spirit, in a mysterious way that we don't understand, when we put our faith into Christ, the Holy Spirit comes, and he baptizes us into the body of Christ. That's the point of salvation. We're baptized into the body of Christ. We're baptized into relationship with God. The Holy Spirit moves into our spirit, right? And that's the point of salvation, right? The second baptism is baptism in water, okay? So baptism in water uh, is done by disciples of Christ. How many here are disciples? Let me see your hands. So any one of you can take someone that wants to get baptized and bring them down to the lake and grab them and say, we're going to baptize you. And you bring them under the water. And when you come up, you come up in newness of life. Now, here here you got to understand... When you're baptized into the body of Christ by the Holy Spirit, your spirit is made clean. You're born again. Amen? When you get baptized in water, it's symbolic. Your your body is going under the water and you're coming up and you come up with new life. Say, my body now is going to serve you. What I see, what I hear, what I touch with my five senses, everything is yours. My body is being sanctified by the power of God. It's symbolic and it's powerful. Now, the third baptism is... The baptism of the Holy Spirit. And the baptism of the Holy Spirit is done by Jesus. Amen? Jesus is the one who baptizes us into the Holy Spirit. And so um, what's really important to understand here is John the Baptist said to people, he said, the one who's coming is greater than I am. I'm not even worthy to tie his sandals. I baptize you in water unto repentance. But the one who's coming, he's going to baptize you with the Holy Spirit and with fire. And his winnowing fan is in his hand. A winnowing fan, when they went like this, the old farmers, they would do this, and it would, the wind would come, and it would blow away all the chaff, all the stuff that wasn't going to bear fruit, all the stuff that wasn't good seed. It gets blown away. Isn't that awesome? So he's going to baptize you with fire, and with a winnowing fan is going to come, and he's going to blow away the chaff. Now, the beautiful thing is on the day of Pentecost, right, they are, they are in the upper room, and the Holy Spirit comes upon them, and it said there appeared to be flames of fire upon their head. Now, when I go back to the story of Moses, the Bible says, you know, Moses took off his shoes. You like my socks? nicely. Nice. Because he was standing at the burning bush. The bush was burning. And and he took off his shoes for where he was standing was holy ground. When the fire came upon the 120 in the upper room, it was the holiness of God came. And the holiness of God came, right? And, 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 And then the second part of the prophecy, John said, is a winning fan will create all this wind. whatever happened on the day of Pentecost, there was a great wind that blew through the house. And when you come and you're baptized by Jesus into the power of the Holy Spirit, the fire of his presence comes. And you're aware of the holiness of God and the presence of God through the person of the Holy Spirit. And the chaff, all that is unprofitable, gets burnt and blown away by the wind of His Spirit. Isn't that powerful? And so we're baptized into Christ by the Holy Spirit. We're baptized in water by fellow believers and were baptized in the Holy Spirit by Jesus Christ. And I want to look at a journey here of the disciples, starting in John chapter 20, verse 21. Is this making sense? You guys okay? So Jesus said to them, he's talking to his disciples, peace to you. As the Father has sent me, I also send you. And when he had said this, he breathed on them, All right, And he said to them, receive the Holy Spirit. Now, if Jesus said, receive the Holy Spirit, guess what happened? They received the Holy Spirit. And I believe, and many scholars would agree with me, this was the point of salvation. They had received the Holy Spirit. Jesus said, it's better that I go to the Father so I can send the Holy Spirit. He breathed the Spirit into them. And so they were baptized into Christ by the Holy Spirit. But then Jesus said something to them. He said in Acts chapter 1, 4, and 5, he said, tarry in Jerusalem until you are endued with power from on high. That's what he said. So you have the Holy Spirit. If, if you've, you're saved, you're going to heaven, the Holy Spirit has come, he's baptized you into Christ, but there's more. There's, there's the next stage that God wants to empower you. He does. The Spirit is in you, but now he wants to put the Spirit on you for ministry. And so we see this happen in Acts chapter 2, verse 3 and 4. We see the Holy Spirit come upon the early church, and um, they're touched by the power of God. We see in Acts chapter 18, I'm just going to summarize what happened. Paul goes to a certain place where there's a preacher that's moving through, uh, through the area, and he's preaching, Apollos, uh, accurately the things of God, and he was talking about Jesus Christ, and they were baptized into Christ, but they had not heard about the baptism of the Holy Spirit. So Paul came because Aquila and Priscilla were pastors of a church, they came and they talked with Apollos and said, listen, we want to just make this a little more clear. There's more to it, man. There's power. There's the Holy Spirit. And he said, really? So Paul came down and he talked to the people. He said, did you receive the Holy Spirit when you believed in Jesus? And they said, no. So he said, I'm going to re-baptize you. They baptized all these people and he laid hands on them and they spoke in tongues and they prophesied. Isn't that good? So sometimes, you know, and I love Apollos because Apollos didn't come and say, well, I've been going to the Baptist church for 30 years and I just don't agree with your theology. No, he said, hey, if there's more of God, I want it. You know, like, you know, my church talks about the mind and talks about the soul, but we don't know nothing about the spirit, but I'm open. Right? And uh, their understanding was partial, but how many know we need to be open to say, God, you know, am I missing it? Is there more? And this is what this group of people did, all right? Um, But modern Christians today, we study the mind and body with no understanding of the spirit man. That's why I showed you that little diagram. And tongues and and prophecy is an overflow of your spirit by the Holy Spirit. And your spirit just, God starts moving, and all of a sudden, you know, you just, and all of a sudden, your spirit begins to pray to God. And we're going to look at that in, in, in the passage here. It's an overflow, but it's also a prayer language. Tongues and prophecy. All right? Let's go to 1 Corinthians chapter 14, verse 2. I'm going to give you the reasons for tongues, and we'll go through that. 14, verse 2. Okay, now in this context of Romans chapter 14, you have to understand Paul is giving instruction for corporate worship. So it almost seems like he's saying prophecy is more important than tongues. Uh, but he's not. What he's saying is in corporate worship, it's better to prophesy than to speak in tongues because they don't know what you're saying. All right? That's what he's saying in the context. But look what he says in verse 2 For he who speaks in a tongue does not speak to men, but to God, for no one understands him. However, in the spirit he speaks mysteries. Okay. For he who speaks in a tongue does not speak to men. Who's he talking to? God. When you speak in tongues, you're speaking to God, mysteries, and no one understands what you're saying. That's what Paul was talking about. And here it says, however, in the spirit, that's the word noma, you see how it's a small s? That's talking about your spirit. That's why I showed you the the diagram. Most of the modern translations, the translator said, wow. It's supposed to be the Holy Spirit, so they put a capital S there, when it's supposed to be a small s. But the older translations all talk about the human spirit. So, however, in the Spirit, and the actual translation, if you go back to the Hebrews, in the Spirit, by the Holy Spirit, he speaks mysteries. All right? So, number one, the reason why you speak in tongues is you get to speak mysteries unto God from your spirit. Okay? Okay? Next one, 1 Corinthians 14, verse 3 to 4. It says here, But he who prophesies speaks edification and exhortation and comfort to men. He who speaks in a tongue edifies himself. I want you to say, I get to edify myself. So when you speak in tongues, you're edifying, you're building yourself up. And then it says, he who prophesies edifies the church. So the first reason for speaking in tongues, number one, is to speak mysteries to God. Number two, it's to edify and build yourself up. And you know, twenty years ago, when I was going through depression and I had had so many drug overdoses, I couldn't think straight. I had crazy thoughts going on. I couldn't control my thought life, and I was serving God. I was like, I didn't know how to pray, so I'd pray in tongues. And I would do that and I would pray and I would pray and I would pray. And then I would feel the anxiety lift and my mind would just clear up. And I was like edifying, building myself up in my most holy faith, praying in tongues. And it's the easiest way to, to defeat anxiety, to, to, to defeat fear. And when you don't know how to pray, you pray in the Holy Spirit. It's, it's a powerful thing when your spirit prays, okay? Now, 1 Corinthians chapter 6 or chapter 14, verse 6 to um, 14, is basically, uh, Paul is saying tongues must be interpreted in a, in, a, in a local gathering. So someone speaks in tongues, it must be interpreted so that it brings edification to the whole body. But we're going to jump right down here to um, verse 13 to 14. Therefore, let him who speaks in a tongue pray that he may interpret. Okay. Let's bring up that that picture one more time, Holly. Therefore, let him who speaks in a tongue pray that he may interpret. For if I pray in a tongue, my spirit prays, okay, but my understanding is unfruitful. So this, you know, your spirit is actually having a conversation with God, but your soul and your mind goes, I don't know what in the world I'm saying right now. It's unfruitful. You, so your spirit is praying, right? You're like, you're You're praying in tongues, and all of a sudden, your mind is like, I don't know what I'm saying. I'm just, I'm just praying. My spirit's praying. You can feel it bubbling up from your spirit, right? And, and, and the Bible says, pray, God, would you help me interpret what I'm saying? And then as you're praying that, your heart all of a sudden... All of a sudden, the radio frequency, a 77.7 FM comes in. Boom. It's like you're praying about your brother and sister who are on a mission trip. And you're like, oh, thank you, God. And then you begin to pray in English a bit. And then you go back to praying in spirit. And you hear these thoughts coming into your heart. It's God giving you the interpretation. And you begin to interpret what the tongue is actually saying. Because God is interjecting thoughts into your heart. And your brain still ain't know what's going on. And the problem in North America, and we get so... We've got away from the first century church that understood we're spirit beings. We hear God in the heart. We hear God speak to us in the heart, but we're spirit beings. And and, and most of... In North America, we get into Well, if it doesn't logically make sense into the brain, then I can't go there. It's too dangerous. Let's just say it passed away with the apostles. It didn't pass away because if it passed away with the apostles, your spirit is dead. Because this is a language that comes from deep within. Tongue and prophecy. Amen? Now, you might see all this differently. This is how I interpret it. This is how I've experienced it. Okay? So, the third one is... So, the first one was tongues is to speak mysteries to God. Number two, it's to edify yourself. And number three, it is uh, your spirit is praying to God and your mind is unfruitful that makes sense? And Paul says, what is the conclusion? And he, he says this very clearly. He says, what is the conclusion? He goes, well, I'm going to pray in the Spirit, and I'll also pray with the understanding, and I'll sing in the Spirit, but I'll also pray in the understanding. I'll do a little of both. I'll do a little praying this way. I'll do a little praying that way. And I'm going to go around. Thank you, Father, for my grandmother my grandfather. And he pray in the Spirit. And this was very natural for the first century church to understand that God is speaking to your spirit, and you release it through the gift of tongues. And right now, there's denominations in, in, uh, that are actually changing their belief on tongues because they haven't experienced it. See, if you don't experience the Holy Spirit, you can't explain him. So a whole generation of young people, young pastors and leaders coming up who've never experienced the glory, fire and power of Pentecost and they're like, well, let's just take it out of our, you know, uh, let's take this out of our theology. The Pentecostal Church, Pentecostal Church Assemblies of Canada right now have a 14-page document of what they believe and they're narrowing it down to 7 pages because the young leaders are saying, I don't know if we believe in this anymore. I don't know if we believe in this gift. And I don't know if we, why because you have never experienced the power of Pentecost. I don't care what any statement of faith says. I care, what does the Bible say? What can I pull from the pages of Scripture? And what can I trust in the Word of God? Amen? Romans 8, I'm going to be closing in just a minute. Romans chapter 8, verse 26 and 27, if we can bring that up. Likewise... The Spirit also helps in our weakness, for we do not know what we should pray for as we ought, but the Spirit himself makes intercession for us with groanings which cannot be uttered, okay? And <sighs> tongues can be as, as simple as this, okay? Because we make it all about a language, but the perv of tongues is this. You know, Jesus said when he went to Lazarus' tomb, there was a whole bunch of stuff going on. His heart was moved, and he groaned within himself from deep down in here. And sometimes you're, you're praying, and you just don't know how to pray, and you just, you're just praying for somebody like, oh, Lord, mm, and you're praying from your spirit. You're connecting out of spirit, and you're groaning with That's the Holy Spirit working in your spirit. You don't know what's wrong, but there's a problem, and you just, mm, you just groan it out. Does that make sense? It's from deep within. Do you know, there's a story, you know, 20 years ago when I was going through some mental struggles myself. I just didn't know how to pray. So I'd pray in tongues. My parents got us understanding tongues when we were young. And I would do that and I would feel the anxiety lift and the fear would lift and I could just be at peace. I was edifying myself. How many know we need to be able to edify ourselves in the spirit? And that's what I did. And, you know, when your spirit is stirred and you don't know why, you can pray in tongues. You know? I remember there was a time when I was in my backslidden days before I came back to the Lord. I went to a bar and I was hanging out with really not good people. I was sitting there and all of a sudden this invisible dude came and sat beside me on a bar stool. Now, you think I'm crazy, but I, I literally felt like I'm trying to enjoy myself and, and I'm with the wrong people and I'm drinking and I'm like, God, go away. I'm trying to have fun. You're ruining my party. And I was really upset because I was feeling really guilty for what I was doing and I had all these thoughts coming. You shouldn't be here. Your parents taught you better. You're never going to fit in with this group of people. And then someone across the table, you know, you're not like everybody else. What's different about it? I'm like, okay, God, what's going on? I'm like freaking out. I don't know what to do. So I had no fun that night. Went home only to find that my mother and father woke up thinking something was wrong and began to pray in tongues and generate the old generator And until the burden lifted, they went back to sleep. And they were praying mysteries. They didn't know what they were praying for. They just had a burden. They prayed in tongues till the burden left. And then I got the backlash, which was good, by the way, because it got me out of a bad situation. Amen. And so tongues is really, really important. There's the gift of tongues, right? And there's also the prayer language of tongues, which I don't have time to get into. But Paul said in verse 18, he says, I thank God I speak with tongues more than you all. Yet in the church, I would rather speak five words with my understanding that I may teach others also than 10,000 words in a tongue. Again, he's talking about corporate um, worship. And so I've got to this place when I talk about the gift of tongues, um, the baptism of the Holy Spirit. These shoes that I'm putting on here... I need some black uh, shoe polish, but... These shoes have tongue that comes with them, you see? When you get the shoe, you get the tongue. And when you get the baptism of the Holy Spirit, you got tongues. Like when you say, Father, fill me with your Holy Spirit, and I, I want to be baptized into the power of the Holy Spirit... Jesus comes and does that. My mother, she tells a story. She went for prayer, and uh, she got prayed for for the baptism of the Holy Spirit. And she goes, I guess I didn't get it, because she never spoke in tongues. And she went home, and a few days, I think it was a couple weeks later, she was just worshiping and praying at home. And all of a sudden, this language came, because when you get the Spirit, you get the tongue. When you get the shoe, you get the tongue. Amen? So you need to believe God for and pray. And let the Holy Spirit, in your spirit, speak mysteries unto God. All right? That, you, you might be sitting here, and so I disagree. I see it differently, and that's okay. I'm showing you what I get from the scripture. And I know experientially that it works for me. Amen? I want to bring back this last verse, 1 Thessalonians 5.23. Now may the God of peace himself sanctify you completely that you may be, that your whole spirit, soul, and body would be preserved blameless at the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. God wants your spirit, your soul, and your body to be preserved blameless. Isn't that good? So it's okay to pray and have no idea what you're praying about. It's okay. It's letting go of having to understand everything, and you'll see it all works out in the end. Doesn't it? Amen? Amen. Hallelujah. I'm just going to take a few minutes to... Why don't we stand together? Father, we just come before you right now, God. I just thank you for your people, Lord. And I, and I hope for those of us who who have this wonderful uh, language of tongues, God, that we we will will realize the importance of it and we'll, we'll utilize it more. And those who haven't received the baptism of the Holy Spirit... Um, God, I want to give them an opportunity to receive it today. Um, if you're in this place and you want to receive the baptism of the Holy Spirit and you want to have a prayer language, I want you to come up. Uh, i just going to open the altars so you can come up. We'll pray with you. We want to believe God for you. Hallelujah. If that's you, you can come forward. If not, that's fine. Is there anybody you want the prayer language? You want to pray in tongues? Awesome. There we go. Amen. Amen. Well, Father, we just thank you, Lord, right now. Come on, Pastor Peter. Come and pray with Ron. Anybody else? just going to pray a simple prayer. God, fill them with your Holy Spirit. And then let that prayer bubble out. Amen. Anybody else? Receive that. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you for listening. We hope that you enjoyed our message. If you are in the Quinty West area, we would love to have you visit us on Sunday morning at 24 Dundas Street West, Trenton, Ontario. Check out our service times on our website at atthecrossroads.ca.